Good morning. It is Wednesday, November the 21st, and this is Real Life Moms by Laura Hurd, and I'm Laura Hurd. Thank you so much for listening today, and if you've clicked on the link through social media, you know that today's episode is about coping skills in children with autism. So, if you're not familiar with this terminology, coping skills are behaviors or things that children with autism learn to do or perhaps are taught to do to help them cope under stressful situations. And a lot of times anxiety is a factor in their lives in different situations and they can utilize these coping skills to help them and to better prepare them for things. So I'm going to go into more detail with that. The reason I had this on my mind was yesterday, I took a chance and took my son to a car dealership. So I had never been inside the car dealership, number one, so I didn't know the layout, where the exits were, everything like that plays into our world. (laughs) So, but the car needed an oil change and I had a coupon that was going to expire. So of course I'm like, I need to get this done. So I was kind of put in between a rock and a hard place and my husband works and I didn't want him to have to deal that one, deal with that when he got off work. And I'm like, I'm going to do this and we're just going to wing it and see what happens. So when you have a child with autism, with my son, and I do want to remind the listeners, you know, autism is a spectrum disorder. So every child is different and every child experiences different comorbid diagnosis and um, different coping mechanisms. Even some of them may do something totally opposite than what my son would do um, to help him cope in stressful situations. But so, you know, we went and I thought, well, we'll try this and see, see what happens. And we got there, you know, immediately I didn't, you know, I never know how my son is going to react. So it's hard to prepare the best way that I can prepare up to that point that I can do that's in within my hands, (laughs) not out of my hands is I can bring items with us that I know bring him pleasure, that help distract him, and, you know, plays into that that coping skill as well. And these are items that I take along with us and give him as an option to use if he becomes overwhelmed, if it's not an immediate shutdown. Because when, if it, something happens and he immediately shuts down, there's no, there's no use, you know, we just have to leave. So we got there and we pull in the garage area and then we get out and go inside the waiting area. And I could, you know, I'm constantly, I have my eyes on my son and searching out his behavior, looking for facial expressions And I could tell that he was apprehensive once we got into the waiting area. It was somewhat open, really bright, 
There were two other people in there, which was actually great because it what that wasn't a lot of people because there were plenty of other chairs and it could have been packed full and that would have been more stressful for my son. So they, I was very thankful that that was going on. So he paces and like does a, a perimeter check, <laughs> checking things out. And so he stands in the middle and he points to the, toward the door. And that's his signal to me that he wants to leave it. This is not good. And he wants to leave. Well, you know, they've already got our car back there and they're already starting the oil change process. So I just say, buddy, you know, we have to wait. And he kind of, you know, he shows his dis- displeasure because he knows the word wait. And of course, you know, he understands now at this point, no, not, you know, I'm shaking my head. No, buddy, you know, and he recognizes these things. So, um, at that point he goes back and he starts pacing and then these chairs that are in there, they're very, they have really soft cushions and it's like bouncy. So he starts hitting his head in, in the seat of the chair and it like bounces up. It's not, it wasn't hard at all. Um, he was doing that and that was part of his coping. And of course I had the items that I had brought in with us and I offered those to him Two two items he actually did take. And those were a bouncy ball and a marble. And he was playing with those in the floor and, um, the, the appointment lasted around 35 to 40 minutes. So all of this is happening over that span of time. But so at one point he was, I had brought two of his smaller blankets in and those were kind of like, those help calm him because those are familiar to him. And so he had those on the floor and he was rolling around and he made himself a little bed and just laid there sprawled out in the floor in the middle of the floor. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's a lot of germs. And, you know, as as a, a special needs parent, you just learn to let a lot of things go. <laughs> you control what you can and don't stress about those little things because, you know, you, we have to, we had to get the oil changed and this is it's just part of our life. So we were doing that and I was watching him and there was an older gentleman like a few seats down to the left of me. Wait. And, um, so, Wait. yes, dear. Mm-hmm. I love you. Um, so I have learned my own coping skills when we do go out in unfamiliar places because I have learned that I can't, I cannot prepare for anything because I never know how my son's going to react in a new environment or situation. And so I subconsciously, I realized yesterday after I was thinking back on our trip there and this interaction I had with this, this gentleman that was in the waiting area, 
that I have learned coping skills and it's a way that I can have some control over the situation and not feel completely out of control because that is a very stressful position to be in and it's just, it's not good because it's, it really takes everything out of me um, and it drains me. So I realized something that I have been doing for a little while now is when we do go out in public, if we are, because my son's behaviors have, he's been able to cope more now that he's getting older. And as we've stretched him outside of that comfort zone of his, um, I'm able to do some kind of interaction with others. Used to, all of my energy, everything was went into keeping my eyes and my hands close, close to my son because he was prone to dart off in like he would find danger and he would seek out danger. He would, you know, and it was like constantly my, my entire being was focused on keeping him safe. Okay. And I did a, a Facebook and Instagram post about this, um, this morning. So you can go and read that if you would like. And it's talking about the same thing. And that's why I wanted, I've really had this on my mind. And I wanted to do the podcast about this today. Um, but yes, he has come a long way from where he was. So, but back then, you know, and I say in this post for two years, I probably seemed very unfriendly because I did not make eye contact with others. Of course, I couldn't smile, take time to even look up and and just give them a friendly smile. I probably seemed like a very unfriendly, unpleasant person. But the reality was I was, I was keeping my son safe. And so now that I'm able to move more freely and not have that, that pressure bearing down of, keeping him safe from harm as much as I used to, then I'm able to, to interact. Hi, Gabby. What are you doing? Oh, nothing. I apologize. I'm just helping him for a second. What are you doing? Oh, nothing. It's your foot. Okay. It's your foot. So. It's your foot. Give me just a second, guys. <laughs> He's been up since three this morning. Good times. <laughs> okay. So now I will normally, I mean, most commonly, the conversation goes to children in general because I have my son with me and he's a child and you know, that's really with even a neurotypical child, you know, you try to find a common ground. And that's what happened yesterday. And the man started talking about his kids. And, and so I find, I try to quickly find that open door of opportunity to mention that my son has autism. And some people may not do this. That's fine. I mean, this is just what I have learned to do. Because I I have found myself many times in the past having to drop what I was doing wherever I was at and Miles, my son would be out of control or having a meltdown and 
you know, and then of course I was wondering, oh, what are these people thinking? And it, it was a, just so super stressful. So this subconsciously, I think I have learned this and I've started doing this to kind of give myself an upper hand or feel like I was in some type of control. So if something does happen, perhaps the first part of of the time that we are, are spending out is going good. You never know what's going to happen. Something may trigger his behavior and give him anxiety or whatever's going on because he can't tell me um, how he's feeling. So I never know. And so his behavior may become just erratic, just out of out of nowhere. And we may just have to leave, just completely drop everything and leave and get him out the door. So I look at this really, and then I'm thinking, okay, well, this is really a way of spreading awareness because he looks like a typical child. You know, he looks... I want to say, you know, normal, um, like a normal neurotypical child. And so when he's doing these coping behaviors, it does probably look odd. And the older he gets, if you know, I don't know, I don't know how he's going to progress. Only God knows that. But this is a way that I can, you know, people can see, you know, we have to live our lives. We have to do these. We have to get our cars oil changed. Okay. So, instead of me being stressed out, staying at home and thinking, oh, well, the car's oils ne- oil needs change, but I can't do anything about it. And feeling helpless and alone, you know, it's like, we're going to do this and spread some autism awareness. And so, I did mention to the to gentleman, oh, and he has autism. And, you know, and I realized that that could make people uncomfortable, but it really... And I think they will start paying attention and and looking and saying, oh, okay, so that's probably why he's doing that. I don't, I mean, I don't know what people think because this is our world and has been now for three years since his diagnosis. Um, well, he's five, but I'll just say three years because that's when we knew through the diagnosis that he has autism. Of course, it was, ha- you know, his, he's, he's always had autism. But, um, so the gentleman, he, you know, I never really look for a reaction when I say this or, or expect a response. It's just something that I do for myself to help me and my son, because if I'm the more in control of the situation I am, the better it is for both of us. So I don't do this to put anybody on the spot to look for a reaction or to judge someone on their reaction on on me telling them, I do not do that at all. This is simply something as a coping skill that I have learned for our world. So if, like I said, if we do have to drop everything and bail out, then it's just less stress for for us and we're it's already stressful enough so if anything that you can do to bring less stress in your life as a special needs parent then you know you're going to do that and so um we had a conversation and then my son did make it through the appointment and the oil change so 
it was a blessing and they had bottled water there and there was some Cheez-Its, a little pack of Cheez-Its that the Lord had placed in this little basket. It was the last pack and my son was really excited about that. So that helped him as well. And um, so when you see a child out and perhaps they have some erratic behaviors that you've been, it's not age appropriate Perhaps they are screaming even. My, my son used to, to yell out, and he he loves hearing things crash. You know, he would find things to make noise. And, you know, it's just, it's when you're in a public area, in a waiting area especially, you know, you there's a standard, a social standard of how you're supposed to act or what you're supposed to do or not do, and you know, that's just not our world. We can't, we don't necessarily live by the same unspoken set of social rules because my son can't. So what does that mean? Because we can't live by those set of unspoken social rules. Should we just stay home? Should we forsake getting our cars oil changed and 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 be stressed out because we know that <laughs> it's getting close to the time and the mileage is over or whatever that's just a very specific example because I just lived it um but you know you that's where acceptance comes in not just awareness but understanding that you do not know what a child is dealing with internally and with my son he looks normal and but he has so much going on in his little body and brain that you know a little bit of compassion from outsiders goes a long way um and just that but you know for me now I used to worry so much more about what people thought or what they were thinking about my son and his behaviors. And it was so unnecessary. I was causing myself extra stress than than needed to be. And so if you're at that point now, if you're listening and you do have a child with, with autism, and maybe you just recently received a diagnosis, you know, that's... The, that's the first thing that you need to let go of because you're going to find that there are people that are not willing to understand and you know that's okay that's on them and you you just keep going and doing what you're doing for your child and your family and do not think twice. Do not cause yourself any extra stress because it is very stressful. Um, and so I have been able to do that. You know, God's helped me with that. And and given, and I think it's a God-given thing that I have this, this coping skill with this disclosure of information about my son's diagnosis to, to whoever when we're out in public because, you know, it's it's something that you that I've learned, you know, I, I study my child and I try to try to have, you know, I, I try to be two steps ahead. It's so funny because when with my older son, he is 
neurotypical. He's a typical kid. And I was always, you know, I felt like I was five steps ahead um, with his milestones and knowing what to expect and being ahead of the game. Well, when we received our younger son's diet, you know, I was so far behind and it's like I constantly was playing catch up. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help my son. And so we're at a place now to where I have learned his, his special needs and I'm able to feel like I have some kind of one up, um, maybe one step ahead at this point, <laughs> maybe right there in between of one step behind and one step ahead. Because, you know, you never really know because he can't tell me how he's feeling if we go out what's going to happen. But at least I can be better prepared and say, well, I've tried everything I knew to do. And it was supposed to work, <laughs> but my son was just having a bad day and he couldn't cope. So all that plays into these things. But so when you see a child acting crazy, because <laughs> it does, you know, I can only imagine. It's so normal to me now. I don't even think twice about it, but I can only imagine what what it does look like and appear to be. Um so just offer some understanding and um, grace and kindness to to the family and understand that this child, you know, it's it's a huge blessing for this family to be able to come out and do these things. And um, and we're, you know, we're a part of, of this world, too, and we don't we don't need to be locked in our homes and be afraid of what people are thinking or going to say to us. And um, so that's, that's really all I have today. I hope that it has helped you understand what coping skills are, what they look like or could look like in a child with autism. And again, if you're listening and you have a child with autism, you know, just don't worry. Don't worry about what people are, are thinking or just you do what you have to do for you, your child and your family. And, you know, just keep spreading autism awareness. And hopefully one day people will accept the fact that, you know, hey, they may act different, but they, they're not any less than anybody else. So... I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving, which is tomorrow. <laughs> my sister-in-law, oh my goodness, she is the most wonderful hostess. She always opened, her and my brother open their home. They have for the past few years for Thanksgiving. And she works and works. I mean, she puts together this beautiful feast and it's very special and we love her so much, and we thank her for her hard work, because it's, it's a big deal. Thank her for her hard work and her kindness and hospitality, and I hope that if, if you do not have family to be with on Thanksgiving, that a friend reaches out, or perhaps you can find a church. I know in our area, we have several churches. Our church is one of them that offer a Thanksgiving meal um, on Thanksgiving Day. 
So I hope and pray that you're able to find a community or an area where you can be loved and find love and, and connection. So God bless you all. And if you ever, again, if you ever need to vent or have questions, reach out to me on social media, on Facebook, Real Life Moms by Laura Hurd or Instagram. I'm on Twitter or through this podcast or on my blog at reallifemomsblog.wordpress.com. And as always, you can support this this ministry on anchor.fm and you can do $9.99 a month, $4.99 or $0.99 cents a month. And so... Again, God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving.